Marshall to come back in here. Could you, Michael? Could you ask Marshall to come back in here? Oh, I'm sorry. No, ask him like he's, uh, you know, a a treasured member of the the team. (laughs) There he is. Can you hit us with the list of names of people that got inducted into the California Hall of Fame yesterday? Why, sure. Here we go. Since nobody even knows it exists. (laughs) And if they do, they've never been to it. It was... Actor Robert Redford. There you oh, go. Bob Redford. Sure. Well known for acting. Now, so do you just come to California and become an actor and get in the Hall of Fame? Or was he born in California? What are the rules for being in the California I, I believe, Hall of Fame? Well, you, you're one of the other ones who've been, just been inducted. Baseball legend Fernando Valenzuela. No, he was not born in California. <laughs> no, he was not. No, indeed. You got former uh, San Francisco Mayor Ed Lee and musician Joan Baez. So Those it's people who did great work whilst in yes. the state, apparently. Yeah. Joan <laughs> Baez. <laughs> Finally. Okay. You know, she'd been eligible for 15 consecutive... I have no idea how it works. There you know. go. Those are some of the people that were inducted. Why not Joni Mitchell? And is the Hall of Fame in Sacramento? Yes. yes and if I is. go to the Hall of Fame, do I see Joan Baez's socks or something? I, I think there'll be some sort of bust or... Uh, <laughs> Standing wow. out front playing for tips. Overturned hat on is the this, pavement. Is this something tax money is going toward? I... Not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. It was started by uh, Maria Schreiber. Uh, I remember. Wife. I yeah. remember. I yeah, remember. A lot of glitz and glamour back then. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I have a friend who's in his hometown Hall of Fame. Isn't that exciting? I'm not in mine. Of course, I don't think we have one. I have a friend whose mom was in the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? There's a Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall really? of Fame? Yeah. Who's and, in it? And her, well, her mom. Her okay. mom them because she sang in a band that was some pretty popular around Omaha, I guess. Clearly. Back in the day. Wow. <laughs> you talk about something that doesn't need to exist. <laughs> Just well, listen. Any of these uh, don't need to exist. Uh, I've been to the real Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's kind of a disappointment. So you yeah. start narrowing it down by state, and you're really right. cutting it pretty thin. <laughs> right. I would like to see some usable, fun, searchable database, you know, broken down by state. I want to hear a really popular local band in Omaha in 1988. There you go. That would be fun. Mm -hmm. Then you listen to the music, but you don't need to walk by a display case with their socks in it. For instance. In case you're wondering, uh, George W. Bush has not yet given his eulogy for his father at the uh, the state funeral for George H.W. Bush. We will bring that to you live when it occurs. Currently, Senator Alan Simpson is speaking. Simpson, eh? Who is a longtime friend of H.W. Bush. But we will bring you W when it happens. We are raising money this week for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. I don't think it's a stretch to say H.W. Bush would be a huge supporter of this organization. Right. Um, Right. They do miraculous work for our injured and PTSD struggling uh, men and women who have served exactly when they need it the most. All volunteer, creative, smart, fast-moving, incredibly efficient with your money. Over 94% of the money goes directly into the programs. That's a that's an unbelievably low overhead because everybody's a volunteer. And everybody cares, too, about making the money go as far as it can. Um, so we're hoping to raise $300,000 this week. That's a giant chunk of money. I mean, that's a... It's a heck of a lift. And let's see where we are halfway through the week. Gladys, the drum roll. $153,469. Well, if you're halfway through the week and you're halfway to your goal, I got to say, you know, I'm no mathematician, but it seems like we're on track. Right. Right. What a fabulous organization it is. Your your donations are so well used. Um, everything from these these kids, they come back wounded and struggling and the rest of it. Oh, hey, there's Mike Spivey. We know him. I'm looking at the website. 
Um, and they provide everything from help with uh, prosthetics and counseling to learning how to deal with the adulting, you know, uh, finding a job interview. Imagine that you're 23 years old. The only full time job you've ever had is in the service. You come back with terrible injuries and then you're supposed to support yourself. Where do you go? How do you start? Um, they do wonderful work there at Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, all sorts of programs for folks all over the uh, western United States and beyond. And, of course, you know the military. You can be from Bangor, Maine, and end up in Balboa Park Naval Medical uh, Center uh, to get treated, or Palo Alto or wherever else. When you donate money, you can be anonymous or make up a name, as I can oh. see a $10 oh, contribution from Perk. Per- no, 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 no. You're not reading that. <laughs> no. Why would you dignify that? Because it's hilarious. Perpy, perky? Maybe I should read perky it. Perky McNippleton. <laughs> Did you say... No, I'm not joining in. I'm not joining in the childish glee. I'm not sure that's a real name. <laughs> so here's the way it goes. You go to Armstrong and Getty Radio... I'm sorry, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrongandgetty.com. You give. And then, because you connected to the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station uh, website, you can say... Your real name or in memory of somebody you love very much, somebody who served or you can make up, for instance, an idiotic name like Perky McNippleton. Here's a way to make a lot of money. I think if you realize, boy, for five bucks, I can get my funny name mentioned. Nah, wait Ten a minute. bucks, 20 bucks, yeah, whatever. It all adds up. Ten dollar minimum. <laughs> Ten dollar minimum <laughs> yes. for wacky names. Yes. The bigger the number, the more likely we mention your wacky name. As long as it is not patently obscene. Well, we're not going to read that. Right. We will read it. But again, the bigger the donation, the more we'll tend to think, yeah, why not? (laughs) So go to armstrongandgetty.com right now. Click on the link and give as generously as you can. Let's see. That appears to be a real name. What is wrong with you people? I don't know. That's worth it. Trying to get spot. through the day with a little amusement. Yeah. That's what we're all trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, here, here. Uh, go down a little bit. Any other funny names? Sean's uh, cat is given generously. Yeah. Which is really nice, considering it is a dumb beast. With <laughs> considering no... I give it no money, I'm curious as how it pulled that off. <laughs> it's, got your, uh, it's been stealing from you. It's got your credit card and that little three-digit number on the back. Right. That's all it takes. <laughs> um, Goes to the pet store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Loads up on the CBD oil. Oh, from, from earlier in the week, Catholic. we had uh, the ghost of Stonewall Jackson made a made a donation. <laughs> that is surprising. Of course, he was a fighting man himself. Uh, but you go to armstrongandgetty.com, and when George W. Bush speaks, we will bring that to you. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Strong and Getty Show. When George W. Bush speaks at his father's funeral, we will uh, bring it to you. So uh, stay tuned. A couple of other things we want to hit in the meantime. So in, in Europe, for whatever reason, 60 Minutes did a good piece on this a couple of weeks ago. In Europe, for whatever reason, they're way more into protecting people's personal information from these... Um, thieving companies like Google and Facebook with the idea that it's your information. It belongs to you. They don't get to just uh, extract it from you and, um, and sell it. Mm-hmm. 
We're not there yet in the United States, but in Great Britain, they got this uh, case going against Facebook over that very sort of thing. And yesterday, there were emails uh, released showing that between 2012 and 2015, when Facebook was really exploding on the national scene and or on the world scene, um, they made lots of decisions about what to do with pers- people's personal data, including giving more of your data to certain companies who spent more money on advertising, like Airbnb and Netflix. Ah, so very nice. uh, so they would give a little, <clears throat> none to a little bit of data of your personal data to people that spent none to a little bit. But if you're a big time advertiser, not like Netflix and Airbnb, they give you tons <clears throat> of data. Facebook says this is not true. While we had many internal conversations about various ways we could build a sustainable business model, make the facts are clear. We've never sold people's data. What? Even though this court in Great Britain has plenty of information to show that's exactly what they were freaking doing. Boy, that's astounding. They just that's a hell of a claim. They just say the opposite of what is true there at Facebook and hope they will get away with it. George W. making his way to the uh, lectern there. He padded the casket of George H.W. on his way by. Here we go. Michael, we're going to need audio for this to be able to hear it. State funeral of George H.W. Bush. Distinguished guests, including our presidents and first ladies, government officials, foreign dignitaries, and friends. Jeb, Neil, Marvin, Darrow, and I, and our families, thank you all for being here. I once heard it said of man that the idea is to die young as late as possible. (laughs) At age 85, a favorite pastime of George H.W. Bush was firing up his boat, the Fidelity, and opening up the three 300 horsepower engines to fly, joyfully fly, across the Atlantic with the Secret Service boats straining to keep up. At age 90, George H.W. Bush parachuted out of an aircraft and landed on the grounds of St. Anne's by the Sea in Kennebunkport, Maine, the church where his mom was married and where he worshiped often. Mother would like to say he chose the location just in case the chute didn't open. In his 90s, he took great delight when his closest pal, James A. Baker, smuggled a bottle of Grey Goose vodka into his hospital room. Apparently it paired well with the steak Baker had delivered from Morton's. (laughs) To his very last days, Dad's life was instructive. As he aged, he taught us how to grow with dignity, humor, and kindness. And when the good Lord finally called, how to meet him with courage and with the joy of the promise of what lies ahead. One reason Dad knew how to die young is that he almost did it. Twice. When he was a teenager, a staph infection nearly took his life. A few years later, he was alone in the Pacific on a life raft, praying that his rescuers would find him before the enemy did. God answered those prayers. It turned out he had other plans for George H.W. Bush. 
For Dad's part, I think those brushes with death made him cherish the gift of life, and he vowed to live every day to the fullest. Dad was always busy, a man in constant motion, but never too busy to share his love of life with those around him. He taught us to love the outdoors. He loved watching dogs flush a covey. He loved landing the elusive striper. And once confined to a wheelchair, he seemed happiest sitting in his favorite perch on the back porch at Walker's Point, contemplating the majesty of the Atlantic. The horizons he saw were bright and hopeful. He was a genuinely optimistic man. And that optimism guided his children and made each of us believe that anything was possible. He continually broadened his horizons with daring decisions. He was a patriot. After high school, he put college on hold and became a Navy fighter pilot as World War II broke out. Like many of his generation, he never talked about his service until his time as a public figure forced his hand. We learned of the attack on Chichijima, the mission completed, the shootdown. We learned of the death of his crewmates, whom he thought about throughout his entire life. And we learned of the rescue. And then another audacious decision. He moved his young family from the comforts of the East Coast to Odessa, Texas. He and mom adjusted to their arid surroundings quickly. He was a tolerant man. After all, he was kind and neighborly to the women with whom he, mom, and I shared a bathroom in our small duplex. Even after he learned their profession, ladies of the night. Dad could relate to people from all walks of life. He was an empathetic man. He valued character over pedigree. And he was no cynic. He looked for the good in each person, and he usually found it. Dad taught us that public service is noble and necessary, that one can serve with integrity and hold true to the important values like faith and family. He strongly believed that it was important to give back to the community and country in which one lived. He recognized that serving others enriched the giver's soul. To us, his was the brightest of a thousand points of light. In victory, he shared credit. When he lost, he shouldered the blame. He accepted that failure is a part of living a full life, but taught us never to be defined by failure. He showed us how setbacks can strengthen. None of his disappointments could compare with one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a young child. Jeb and I were too young to remember the pain and agony he and mom felt when our three-year-old sister died. We only learned later that dad, a man of quiet faith, prayed for her daily. He was sustained by the love of the Almighty and the real and enduring love of her mom. Dad always believed that one day he would hug his precious Robin again. He loved to laugh especially at himself. He could tease and needle, but never out of malice. 
He placed great value on a good joke. That's why he chose Simpson to speak. email he had a circle of friends with whom he shared or received the latest jokes. His grading system for the quality of the joke was classic George Bush. The rare sevens and eights were considered huge winners. Most of them off color. George Bush knew how to be a true and loyal friend. He nurtured and honored many, his many friendships with a generous and giving soul. There exist thousands of handwritten notes encouraging or sympathizing or thanking his friends and acquaintances. He had an enormous capacity to give of himself. Many a person would tell you that dad became a mentor and a father figure in their life. He listened and he consoled. He was their friend. I think of Don Rhodes, Taylor Blanton, Jim Nance, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and perhaps the unlikeliest of all, the man who defeated him, Bill Clinton. My siblings and I refer to the guys in this group as brothers from other mothers. <laughs> he taught us that a day was not meant to be wasted. He played golf at a legendary pace. I always wonder why he insisted on speed golf. He was a good golfer. Well, here's my conclusion. He played fast so that he could move on to the next event, to enjoy the rest of the day, to expend his enormous energy, to live it all. He was born with just two settings, full throttle, then sleep. <laughs> he taught us what it means to be a wonderful father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. He was firm in his principles and supportive as we began to seek our own ways. He encouraged and comforted, but never steered. We tested his patience. I know I did. But he always responded with the great gift of unconditional love. Last Friday, when I was told he had minutes to live, I called him. The guy answered the phone said he, I think he can hear you, but he hadn't said anything for most of the day. I said, Dad, I love you and you've been a wonderful father. And the last words he would ever say on earth were, I love you too. To us, he was close to perfect, but not totally perfect. His short game was lousy. <laughs> He wasn't exactly Fred Astaire on the dance floor. The man couldn't stomach vegetables, especially broccoli. And by the way, he passed these genetic defects along to us. So we'll take a break there from uh, George W. Bush's honoring of his father, and we'll pick it up when we come back. Indeed. Have the whole thing for you in just a moment or two. Speed golf. How fast did he play? I want to know about that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The service for George H.W. Bush is in progress as we speak, and we paused it 
in the middle of his son George W. Bush's eulogy of his father, and I backed it up just a little bit because he was uh, building to uh, something, I believe, but let's pick it up again. To us, he was close to perfect, but not totally perfect. His short game was lousy. He wasn't exactly Fred Astaire on the dance floor. The man couldn't stomach vegetables, especially broccoli. And by the way, he passed these genetic defects along to us. Finally, every day of his 73 years of marriage, Dad taught us all what it means to be a great husband. He married a sweetheart. He adored her. He laughed and cried with her. He was dedicated to her totally. In his old age, Dad enjoyed watching police show reruns. The volume on high. All the while holding Mom's hand. After Mom died, Dad was strong, but all he really wanted to do was hold Mom's hand again. Of course, Dad taught me another special lesson. He showed me what it means to be a president who serves with integrity, leads with courage, and acts with love in his heart for the citizens of our country. When the history books are written, they will say that George H.W. Bush was a great president of the United States, a diplomat of unmatched skill, a commander-in-chief of formidable accomplishment, and a gentleman who executed the duties of his office with dignity and honor. In his inaugural address, the 41st President of the United States said this, we cannot hope only to leave our children a bigger car, a bigger bank account. We must hope to give them a sense of what it means to be a loyal friend, a loving parent, a citizen who leaves his home, his neighborhood, and town better than he found it. What do we want the men and women who work with us to say when we are no longer there? That we were more driven to succeed than anyone around us? Or that we stopped to ask if a sick child had gotten better and stayed a moment there to trade a word of friendship? Well, Dad, we're going to remember you for exactly that and much more. And we're going to miss you. Your decency, sincerity, and kind soul will stay with us forever. So through our tears, let us know the blessings of knowing and loving you, a great and noble man, the best father a son or daughter could have. And in our grief, let us smile knowing that Dad is hugging Robin and holding Mom's hand again. You don't don't always get applause at an event like that, but it was spontaneous and uh, well, and it was it was charming. He went back to the pew with uh, Laura and Jeb, and and you could see him say something to the effect of "I almost got through it." Yeah, and they uh, you know gave him a pat and everything. Yeah, wow, that's touching. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that cartoon making the rounds that um, he just alluded to there at the end. It's hard to hard to think of. 
Um, so there were some other uh, eulogies earlier on. Let's uh, check in with Marshall Phillips and get some of the highlights of that. Marshall? Yes, earlier, presidential historian John Meacham was honoring Bush 41. George Herbert Walker Bush was America's last great soldier statesman, a 20th century founding father. Telling the story of the World War II young naval pilot George H.W. Bush being shot down. Yet he kept the plane in its 35-degree dive, dropped his bombs, and then roared off out to sea, telling his crewmates to hit the silk. Meacham saying that this was just the beginning of Bush's lifelong service, joking about the late president. As Dana Carvey said, the key to a Bush 41 impersonation is Mr. Rogers trying to be John Wayne. Presidential historian John Meacham remembering Bush 41. I don't imagine Dana Carvey, when he started his comedic career, thought he'd ever be mentioned in a presidential uh, funeral. But there he was. A, a string of really moving speeches there. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. 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 We're, we're trying to get a couple of highlights from Alan Simpson's speech. He's a hilariously funny uh, former senator. Um, and the guy who could have balanced the budget, but... Our Both government parties more or less rejected the idea. Yeah. Our government doesn't work that way, right? Um, yeah, hmm. it's interesting. It's interesting to watch all those former presidents sitting there, former and current, um, and wondering what they're all thinking. Now, Sean posted a note here on my little notepad. Says I've counted at least fourteen direct shots at Trump so far. Yep. I assume you're being sarcastic. But <laughs> sure, yeah, we can pretend that <laughs> <laughs> the media could go with that. Because, um, you know, if you think of it through that lens, you can uh, some of the things well, that have been said. Right. right. If you go around every day waiting for people, looking for people to be, quote unquote, unfair to you, you'll find it everywhere you look. Well, yes, that's true. But you've got to admit there is there is a major change in our culture. It's not just the difference between two people. H.W. Bush and Donald Trump, but there's been quite a change in our, our culture. Right. And our president currently reflects that change. Right. And uh some of the things that happened in the past aren't currently happening. Is that fair? Right, but yeah. I don't I didn't how can you the guy was caring, dignified, self-effacing and 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 you know all those other right. things. Right, and you can't leave those out because of how it might reflect. Right, right. that's what I'm saying. Right. So sure. you can call it a a shot at Trump if you want if you're being paranoid. All right. Well, I was watching the I was watching I do and I am. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the honesty George H. W. Bush was known for. Yes. Well, I appreciate cuz I I thought it was a huge mistake for John McCain's daughter to make a direct comment about Trump during her dad's service. And the reason I thought it was a bad idea is cuz it's the only thing the media focused on and you didn't hear any of this other stuff right. about, you know, the hero that passed. It just everybody focused on the Trump stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that this one is staying away from that sort of thing. Now, Fox had the camera on Trump at one point when uh, W is just speaking and and George said something about the office and leaving the office and they immediately moved the camera away from Trump. I imagine that was a directorial decision mm-hmm. that they didn't want to make it seem like, let's see what Trump thinks of this. Right. If yeah. I was watching MSNBC, I would have thought that's what they were doing. Sure. You know, you know, I was I was really impressed by the quality of all the speakers today. Oh yeah, I mean, very good. Really, really came together well. Yeah. You know, and uh, I I I would think that all of them were inspiring in their own right. Sure, and there's, you know, and that's been his rep forever. Is that he was? Uh, I saw Alan Simpson because I was able to read the um, 
the words we've got the uh, the words in silent on the TV right. of him saying he's the most decent person he ever knew in his life. A lot of people right. say that, so. right? And you know, I wanted to add one other thing. You know, the whole read my lips controversy where uh, he said, read my lips, no new taxes, and everybody blew up when he actually imposed taxes. Well, he apparently had taken a long time looking at the national debt and was saying, you know, we have got to do something about the national debt. And that move was made to try and bring it under control, at least somewhat. He thought it was the right thing for the country, and he knew the damage it would do to him politically, you know, whether you like the move or not. And at the time, the national debt was a tiny, tiny fraction of what it is now. And nobody really sees fit to do anything about it. Right. Because the politics is too tough. Right. Exactly. Anyway, good stuff. We'll bring you some more highlights. Stay with us. We've also got to do an update on our Warrior Foundation Freedom Station number. See where we are on that as we head toward $300,000. Speaking of service to your country and, you know, making your community a better place when you leave it than when you arrived, here's an opportunity donating money to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is from a little earlier in the service. Former Senator Alan Simpson and longtime friend of George H.W. Bush. You would have wanted him on your side. He never lost his sense of humor. Humor is the universal solvent against the abrasive elements of life. That's what humor is. He never hated anyone. He knew what his mother and my mother always knew. Hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. The most decent and honorable person I ever met was my friend George Bush, one of nature's noblemen. His epitaph, perhaps just a single letter, the letter L for loyalty. It coursed through his blood, loyalty to his country, loyalty to his family, loyalty to his friends, Loyalty to the institutions of government and always, always, always a friend to his friends. None of us were ready for this day. Pretty impressive service, I'd say. Yeah, indeed. Beautiful. And, and I think I take from it an inspiration to try to be better. So, I mean, you can't help for, hope for much more than that. I've yet to run into or see on TV anybody who ran into George W. H.W. Uh, Bush who didn't say he made me a better person? I wanted to be more like him. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody says the but same. But some of those thing. people he disagreed with politically, and I, oh, yeah. I, I thought that we're supposed to. Absolutely, you're right, Sean. That's my enemy. My yep, blood right. boil feud for the rest of my life is to make sure that that person doesn't experience and anything. Are, and they are, by definition, traitors to their country and right. a bad person. <laughs> That's <laughs> important to remember. The only possible reason somebody could disagree with you is that they are a bad person and their motives are evil. Yeah, th- there are. You know, those are one in a million. Those kind of people that just uh, radiate that. But when I read the the, the biography of H.W., uh, he was that his whole life. But when he was on his college baseball team, he just he just had that. Everybody wanted to try harder and be better just being around him. And that's why mm. he was the captain, that sort of thing. Right. He's just, you know, some people are, are like that. I'm not claiming it doesn't take effort, but there's just it's not very common. Right. Right. 
Well, in the parlance of sports, he made everyone around him better. And that continued on, uh, you know, to public service and his uh, stint in the oil business. I know nothing about. I'm sure it was oily. I'm sure it was fine. Yeah, well, I think I mentioned this the other day. He got there and he was, you know, he couldn't have been more of a fish out of water when he first arrived there. And it took him a long time to win over that crowd as a guy who came from the Northeast you know, in wingtips to, 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 to small-town Texas, but they all came to like him and respect him and follow him because mm. that's just the kind of guy he was. Um, I think about, what was he, 24 years old when he's bobbing around in the ocean, and it would be nothing but complete silence. Nothing to see as far as you can see but water. Right. I'm wondering oh who'd get there first. If anybody would get there. Well, right, yeah, yeah. Holy crap. That would be a life-altering experience. One way or t'other. And the weight or the responsibility of his crewman who, who died. Well, that was a nice service. Very beautiful. It's, it's continuing, actually, now with uh, you know words being spoken by clergymen and songs. songs being sung and that sort of thing. Lots of songs. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful music. Um, where are we with Warrior Foundation? I think we should do an update before we get out of here. Gladys, if you could roll the drums. Trying to raise $300,000 this week for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We are currently at $158,182 American dollars. Okay, we have, uh, Hanson, you've compiled a list of some of the people that have, that have contributed. Oh, Sean has it. Yeah, so, so yes, people have heed our calls. They're uh, having some fun with the, with the name generator. Uh, we have Thistle, middle initial B, last name Awesome. Sure, yes, Thistle B Awesome. A, a donation. Uh, oh, a classic, Pat McGroin. Very, very nice. Oh, boy. Very nice. Very grown um, up. Well done. Uh, we have Clever. a, a Doney McDonor face. Sure. <laughs> uh, oh, show show regular Nigel Rotund checking oh, in. Oh, Nigel. Good yeah, to hear yeah. from you. Uh, Bibbs McCracken, which can't be a real name, right? That's got to be. <laughs> uh, I like private intellectual, private duller, or public intellectual, private duller. That's a long name. Kind of a commentary, more so than a name. Somebody, <laughs> a, a fan of your, your branding, the yo, yo, yo. Yes, donated $25. Thank you very much. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station helps four main groups of warriors. Seriously injured, just returning home from war. Those undergoing physical or occupational therapy. Those suffering from PTSD or traumatic brain injury. And warriors who've been medically retired and remain in our community. Give now as generously as you can. Armstrongandgetty.com Mr. McGroin. Final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Never before have so few done so little for no one in particular and here's your host strong and getty (laughs) every time here's your host private parts let's get uh, a final thought from everybody michelangelo your final thoughts sir yeah i was just thinking about um as far as george uh hw bush here dana carvey was a man who mocked him and bill clinton was a political opponent and they were both great friends of him sure yep Worth contemplating. Marshall Phillips, your final thought. Honoring a life well lived, George Herbert Walker Bush. You know, that's what a lot of men and women at the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station are doing. They are helping those who have served our country so valiantly. Give what you can in memory of a friend or a family member who also served. Please do. Positive Sean, your final thought. Yeah, I know the reason for these things are often sad and although unavoidable, but I certainly do find a a soul nourishment to when I see people at funerals and just sharing the memories of of their friends and loved ones. I find those things beautiful. Yep. Here, here. Jack, a final thought for us? How can you not take from that the idea of trying to live a life where people can say things like that about you when you pass? Right, right. What would they say at your funeral? 
Uh, and another serious note, uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, what they're trying to do is prevent these heroes from ending up in circumstances like joblessness, homelessness, substance abuse, self-harm, a loss of hope, that sort of thing. And that's what you're donating for. So go to armstrongandgetty.com if you can. Think about uh, George H.W. and give as generously as possible. Uh, what can I say about Jack? Um, he uh, he owned a fast motorcycle once. Um, well, he could never turn down a donut. Or Larry David said, he said on its tombstone, it should say, he watched a lot of TV. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate. You can also email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Absolutely. And we're going to try to raise a lot more money this week. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a... Uh historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye bye. The most decent and honorable person I ever met was my friend George Bush. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.